Good morning, everyone. Rod Stewart is here this morning to bring the word. Uh, I'm having a little bit of a, a frog in my throat, but I pray that it will just last through the entire service. I'm excited about bringing the word of God to you this morning. Are you excited? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for you are so good, that you are our amazing, wonderful God, that, Lord, we can just be so at home in your presence, oh God. Father, even as I bring the word this morning, I pray that, Lord, you will just speak to us in a clear and, and individual manner. Holy Spirit, just make personal application, oh Lord, to each and every one of us. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning about being connected, about being connected. Do you know that the average person owns about three uh, gadgets to connect to the internet, either your mobile phone, your, your uh, tablet, your, your PC. And the, the average business owner has about five individual instruments to connect to the, uh, to the, mobile, uh, to the internet. Okay? Um, the world statistics, North America has got 89.4% penetration. In other words, 89% uh, of America is connected to the internet. The world average is 57.3% of people are connected. And if you see Asia, Asia only has 51.9% uh, people are connected to the internet. But if you look at the numbers, um, Asia has 2.2 billion users. 2.2 billion users that are connected to the internet. Um, and of course, you know, the, probably the largest population is in Asia, that's why. And if you look at Malaysian statistics, as of, <clears throat> as, uh, as of 2019, our our numbers are about 32,454,000 people are in Malaysia. And out of this number, 77.3%, that's 25 million people are connected to the internet, use the internet. And 22 million of you have got Facebook accounts. You can take a picture and put it on your Facebook later if you want, okay? <laughs> so more and more people are being connected to the internet uh, and to social media especially. Have you ever um, left your mobile phone at home and, 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 and felt something? You drove off? What did you feel? What's that? Something missing? Like your arm is missing? or, your, or It's like you forgot to wear a shoe and you came out, right? You know, there, there's a phrase for that. Nomophobia is the fear of being out of mobile phone contact. The fear of being away from the internet would be a binteratophobia. Okay? This is not official yet, but it's getting there, okay? And the feeling of anxiety felt by someone who is unable to access the internet is called discomgoogulation. So if you look at someone and, 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 and you go to a new place and you suddenly take your phone, oh no, no Wi-Fi, then you look at the person, this guy is discomgugulated. Okay, you, these are the, the, the phrases that are coming across. But today I want to talk to you about a different kind of connection. A different kind of connection. The title of my sermon is Connected for Life. Connected for Life. You know, next month we'll be starting a, a series of Bible studies. And I encourage you to, to sign up for one of the four that are available. And um, I want to give you, this morning, I want to give you kind of like a preview of, of what you'll be uh, seeing in, in, the, in the Bible studies. And where to start the book of Psalms, but Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. If you have your mobile phones, take it out to Psalm chapter 1 and not to Facebook. 
And uh, we'll be going through verse by verse, so you can, can put in some notes and things like that uh, as we go. If you're there, say, hey. Seven of you are there. All right, let's read Psalm chapter 1, 26 verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he, in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." Now, Psalm chapter 1 is, is a wisdom psalm. It's meant as instructional and, and for guidance. It's also a contrast psalm in the sense that it shows the difference between a, a person who is righteous and someone who is wicked. Of course, we recognize that the righteousness here is not the righteousness uh, uh, that, we, that refers to our own righteousness, but it also refers to in the Old Testament as people of uh, uh, the Israelite people, people who are righteous, people who have a relationship with the Lord. And in the New Testament, we recognize it from the book of Colossians that we are cloaked in the righteousness of Christ when we accept the, our Lord as our personal Savior. The wicked, on the other hand, refers to people who do not have a relationship with our God their creator. So we're going to look at these six verses and, and draw some truth from it. Are you ready? Okay. Verse 1. Everyone say, blessed is the man. Okay. This blessed is, is not something that is uh, dependent on your circumstance. This blessed, if you want to look for another word, is, is happy or fortunate. And it's the same blessed, the same essence is meaning that is found in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. You know, blessed, uh, or the, the few blessed's there that you see uh, in Matthew chapter 5. It also refers to people who um, have access to the vast riches of the kingdom of heaven in this life and in the life to come. So it's, it's definitely not dependent on the circumstance. It's not uh, happy as a result of your birthday or, or, you know, you had a good day, that kind of a happiness. But it's a state of being, being blessed. It goes on to say, who walks, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now here, uh, I want you to notice these three words, walks, stands, and sits. Walk, stands, and sits. It is it's an indication of progressive interest. Progressive interest. Commitment from interest to commitment to association. You know, sometimes when you are, when it comes to sin, there's always a progressive interest. It's not always that uh, you, if you look at serial killers, uh, serial killers, they don't start off as serial killers. They start off as people who, you know, um, they look at a cat and then they, they start torturing the cat. Uh, look at a dog, they start torturing the dog. And, and it goes progressively violent, progressively, uh, you know, and then they start by a, a single murder, then go on to, to, to serial killers. Or if you say, no, I'm not a serial killer, but you can be a serial shopper. So imagine you're walking in, in a shopping mall and you didn't plan to buy a, that, that nice 
pair of shoes, you know, that cost about 6,000 ringgit. You know, I didn't plan to buy that shoe. But I'm walking, I'm walking, and this window arrangement is there, and this shoe is there. It's got some sparkles on it, you know, like little bling Swarovski crystals on this six-inch, you know, high heels, stilettos, you know, and, and it's there. Guys, don't worry, we have other things as well. It is, but it's there, and from walking, you suddenly stop, and you stand in front of it, and you look at this pair of shoes. And from looking at this pair of shoes, from standing here, you then get into the shop. You sit down and say, can I try it on? You think it'll fit me? And just like Cinderella, it just slips into your shoe, your foot, and it's a perfect, it's a perfect fit. But you know, just like that, or, or you know, have you been to those malls and then when they try and, and, and get you to sign up for a credit card? Right, you're walking past and you go, sir, can I, can I get you this card? You know, you get a free luggage bag and all of that. You're walking, most of the time say, no, thank you, no, thank you. But some of them are a little bit persistent. They walk with you. You know, they walk with you all the way, you know. And just, just to satisfy you, you stop, you stand, you talk. And then you get pulled in, you sit down, and you sign your life away. And the next thing you know, your credit card is, is maxed out and you're paying interest before even the principal. But you know, it's a progressive interest. And in this case is progressively getting more and more involved in sin. Progressively getting more involved in sin. From interest to commitment to association. People don't get addicted to pornography just like that. There's always a trigger. There's always something that, just a first indication, a first image, and then you spend more time, you linger on it, and it gets deeper and deeper and worse and worse. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Some translations even say, um, use, instead of scornful, it says mockers. You know, and, and, and people who criticize and mock the gospel and people of God. And, and this is exactly what it means. You are blessed of the Lord if you don't engage in this progressive exploration of a sinful lifestyle. You are blessed of the Lord if you don't engage in this progressive, progressive exploration of a sinful lifestyle. Not that buying shoes is, is sinful, but you know, you, you get my point, right? Okay, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, the law of the Lord here refers to the Torah, the Pentateuch, or the first five chapters of the Bible. But in essence, it also means direction and instruction. And we get a, a clearer picture of, of the law of the Lord in Psalm 19. I'm just going to pick out a few things and show it to you. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the law of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yet more, yes, more than fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Now, uh, when I read this, it immediately, uh, my wife and I went to our, our honeymoon in Turkey, and, and they served us cheese and, and, and honey. 
But the honey that they served us wasn't just honey in liquid form, but it was with the honeycomb. Now, the honeycomb is, is, is it's so much, it gives a different texture to the honey. The honey you get is a nice, sweet texture on, on your lips, but when you get to the honeycomb, there is a, a caramelized nature to that honey. There is a crunchiness. There is a crystallized sugar that's on it, and the combination of it, it's, it's so much more than just honey. And the Word of God and says that it's sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. This is the law of the Lord. Verse 11 says, Moreover, by your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Great reward. It also reminds us of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, where God is speaking to Joshua and he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Meditating on it day and night, on the Word of God, on the law of God, there is great reward in it. And it will make your way prosperous and good. How many of you have seen cows? Cows grazing. What are, when cows graze, what do they do? Sorry? They look down. Why are they looking down? They're looking for grass to grow, right? But most of the times, if you look at crowds, if you spend any time on a farm or, or, or anything, they're doing this. They're just chewing on food over and over and over again. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a science lesson, okay? This is the digestive system of a cow. A cow, most of us have got one stomach. Some of us have got two stomachs, one for food and one for dessert. <laughs> There's always room for dessert, right? But the cow, he's got four segments in his stomach. Four segments in his stomach, okay? So the first part... It's the largest part. It's called the rumen. It holds about 40 gallons of food. And, and this is where enzymes are added. And, and, and then it moves on to the second part. The broken down food enters into the reticulum. There's going to be an exam after this, okay? Okay, it goes into the reticulum. Things like stones and pieces of metal are kind of like separated and expunged. But the food material is then mixed with saliva and forms cud. And this cud is then regurgitated back to the mouth of the cow. And he starts chewing on it again. He starts chewing on the cow, on the cud, over and over again. And then it's sent back to the third segment. The third segment is it's swallowed to the omasum, where food is broken down further. And then it's sent to the final part, which is the abomasum. Nice names, right? Okay. And, and, and this is, I'm coming to it, the last part. This is where the nutrients from the food is extracted into the blood system. Is extracted into the blood system. So when the psalm talks about meditating on the word of God, the, the picture that, that, that is trying to be conveyed is this, is that we don't just read the word of God, but we take the word of God, we digest it, we constantly think about it, it comes back to our memory, our recollection, we process it, we process it. And then the most crucial part is we absorb the word of God into our system. We absorb the Word of God into our system so that it becomes a part of us. It becomes a part of us. A part of our life. A part of how we make our decisions about how we live our life. The Word of God becomes a part of us. Research shows that, you know, um, cows 
chew for six to eight hours a day. They're chewing for six to eight hours a day. We've got 24 hours. How much time do we chew on the Word of God? How much time do we let it process and, and remind us and, and get into our system? Okay, verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, this, I want to spend a little bit of time here to just focus on this. Um, he who meditates on the word of God makes it a part of his life and lifestyle. And he shall be like a tree that is planted by rivers of water. Now, a tree that is, okay, this is not really planted by rivers of water. Hope you can see this. Okay. A tree that is planted by rivers of water has access, has access to the resources that it needs. See, water is one of the key resources that every plant needs in order to survive. And if you've been to your, your, your science class or, or if you heard anything about photosynthesis, you know that the, the roots of the tree draw up water, send it to the leaves for photosynthesis to take place where energy is created and sent out to the rest. But if you go further into detail, there are two parts uh, that, that run within the stem. Just like how we've got veins and we've got uh, arteries, there are two parts to this thing. There's one part, is called, uh, one vessel is called a xylem. The xylem vessel is, science lesson again, okay? So the xylem vessel, right, is a one-way street. It draws up water, it draws up water and sends it up to the leaves. It sends it up to the leaves. But then there is this other vessel called the phloem. The phloem is, is, is a two-way street. That means the energy that is created at the leaves is then sent to the rest of the tree, the stem, the roots to grow even deeper, to grow even longer, and to, to the other parts that do not engage in photosynthesis. So when we become like trees that are planted by streams of God, by, planted by the streams of living water, we get nourished. We get nourished by the word of God. We get nourished by, by being planted there. But it's also our responsibility to spread that nourishing to the rest of us. What am I talking about? C.S. Lewis talks about this when he talks about being like a tree planted by streams of water. He talks about the streams of pardon, the streams of grace, the streams of promise, the streams of communion. That when we have access to these streams, we yield fruit in season. And that our leaves will not wither, but it will be healthy. So just as how we are planted there and we draw from the word of God, we draw from the streams of pardon, of grace, of promise, of communion, of that relationship with the Lord, it's also our responsibility to start to begin fruit. Begin to fruit, to begin to grow, to begin to, 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 to send forth that confidence and boldness to the rest of our, of our mind, of our spirit, that we can walk in the authority that God has given us, that we can walk in the light of who we are, children of the living God, that we do not need to walk in disobedience, we don't need to walk in failure, but we walk under the, what the word of God says of who we are. And we stand in that authority. We stand in that authority. And just like how drawing up is one way, 
But sending out to the rest of us is two-way. In other words, we, 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 we begin to expand our territories. We begin to understand more of who God is. We begin to walk in this life knowing who God is. And what the Word of God says, whatever He does prospers. talks about fruiting. Have you seen a mango tree eat mangoes? Very quiet. Okay, it's not a trick question. Okay, mango trees do not eat mangoes. They don't eat durians. They don't eat any other fruit as well. The fruit is not for its own tree. The fruit is for monkeys and us. If the monkeys get to it first, then it's for the monkeys. If not, then it's for the rest of us. You know, any fruit that is developed by a tree is for others. So in the same way, when we develop that fruit, when, when the fruit grows within us, it's for the nourishment of others. That we, ble- we are blessed to be a blessing. That we grow our fruit so that we can be a blessing to others. And the Word of God says about, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Let's say it together. One, two, three. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. Okay, all those who went to Sunday school, very good. The rest of you go and read up a bit more, okay? All of, that's the fruit of the Spirit. But there's, there's more to that. There's also the, the, the imparting of, into others, the mentoring of others, the praying for others, that you, you begin to live your life not just for yourself, but you bear fruit for others. We're so used to being involved, in, in self-involved. Me, myself, I, my family, my situation. But it's time that when we grow and we, we are fully nourished from the Word of God and from, from being planted, we begin to stop looking at ourselves and start looking at others. Because we know where we stand, we know who we are, and we start beginning to, to live for others, to be a blessing to others. And whatever we do, when it's in line with the will of God, it begins to prosper. It begins to prosper because we are rooted correctly. Verse 4 and 5, it says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Do you know what chef is? Not the guy that, that makes your dinner at restaurants, okay? That's a chef. Okay, this is a chef. Um, I need a volunteer, someone strong. Eugene, come. <laughs> okay, this, this, I don't know whether you remember this, but in, in maybe about those under 40 might not know this. Okay, come Eugene, stand here. Right in front here. Okay, those days when we bought rice, there'll be some good rice and not so good rice, right? So, in, in those days, since it's an ag- agricultural, the wheat or the rice, right, will, will, will be like this. And don't drop any on the ground now. Huh? <laughs> if not, I'll give you the vacuum cleaner later, okay? So, what they'll have to do is, is toss it into the air carefully. Higher a bit so they can see. Okay. Yeah, that's it. You see that, right? Right? Good job, Eugene. So... Okay, one more time, yeah? Wait, wait. 
So when he tosses it in the air, the wind, they're supposed to toss it into the wind. And when the wind blows, what you want is the wheat. You want, you want is the grain. But the shaft, which is the husk around it, gets carried by the wind and it's tossed aside. It's not wanted. But you want the wheat. You want the grain. One more time, Eugene. Higher. Higher. Don't drop. Oh, good job. Give me a big hand. Thank you, Eugene. You can take this home and cook later, okay? That's the comparison. The shaft which the wind will drive away, the ungodly. Remember that this is a comparative psalm. It's talking about the righteous and the unrighteous. It's a contrast psalm. One who is like a flourishing tree and the other like a, a shaft that is unwanted husk. You know, and, and this very clearly alludes to relationship. Relationship with the Lord. Where do we stand in our relationship with the Lord? God is looking for those who hunger and thirst after him to want to have that relationship, that constant communion with him. Imagine you're driving and, and you're using your phone as your GPS and your battery starts going from 10 to 9 to 7 to 6 to 5 and you're not even at your destination yet. What, do, what does that bring you? Anxiety, exactly. You're like, I need more battery. And, you're like, and if simple things like that can give you anxiety, what about if we have not spent time with the Lord? Does that bring us anxiety? If you're not drawing on the, the streams of living water, does that bring us anxiety? Or are we surviving on yesterday's water? Are we surviving on yesterday's revelation? Are we surviving on yesterday's word? It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. Verse 5 says that the ungodly shall not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There's going to be a time one day where we will all have to stand and give an account for our lives. There's going to be a time where God is going to do that with us. Will we be the wheat that stays behind or will we be the chaff that's carried by the wind? How are we living our lives? How are we walking in obedience? Are we walking, hearing him each day and being in, in obedience? You know, verse 6, it's so simple but also a very scary verse. It says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's talking about those who have a relationship with the Lord and those who do not. Two kinds of lifestyles. A willful way of living. This is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to, to, to live my life as worship, as to glorify God, to, to say that in everything I do, in everything I say, I'm going to give God the glory. In the way I bring up my children, in the way I lead my family, I'm going to give God the glory. Or are we beginning to say that, no, this is my life. I'll live it the way I want to. Like Bon Jovi. It's my life. How are we living our lives? How are we making those decisions? Are we like trees drawing upon that living water on a daily basis? No, we're being called to, to make a decision today. And every day of our lives. 
What kind of lives do we live? What kind of lives do we live? Can I have the worship team up, please? You know, every morning when I um, sit down and have breakfast, uh, I'll show you a picture of my backyard. And there, there are two trees on my backyard. Um, same ground, same water, same uh, fertilizer, same everything. And this, this picture was taken about maybe about a few months ago. And I began to notice that the, the tree on the right, um, it started to get a bit sparse. This was about a week ago. Oh no, about three weeks ago. And um, from having a little bit of green leaves, within, within a few months, it became brown. It became uh, dying and then eventually dead. And when I checked with my gardener, I said, what's happening? You know, it's the same, it's the same situation, same water, same fertilizer, same amount of rain, uh, same soil. And he told me this thing. He said, it could be waterlocked. It could be waterlocked. Now, waterlocked is, is, is a situation where the roots harden. The roots harden. And it's not able to draw up water. It's not able to draw up water. You can be planted in the same church. You can be planted in the same situation. You can be planted in the same cell group. You can be planted in the same group of people. But are you like the tree on the left or like the tree on the right? You know, when we come to worship, we come into service to worship, are we freely able to worship? I love what Pastor Anne said just now when she came up. He said, worship is not about us. It's not about how we are feeling. It's not about our situation, but it's, it's an acknowledgement of who God is. It's an acknowledgement of the greatness of God, the grace of God of our lives. It's about who He is and not about how we are feeling. That is worship. That is worship. It got me thinking about this psalm you know, when I saw these two trees, you know. Are we drawing, are we like trees planted in that, by the streams? Or are we hardened that nothing moves us? That initially on the outside, it can be green, it can be, our leaves can be green. But slowly we are dying on the inside. And it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time that it can be seen on the outside. That slow, slow death. Are we present but not drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit and His resources? Are we a Christian but not drawing from the presence and the power of a connected life with Christ? Not accessing the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, existing but slowly dying day by day. And I close by this verse, this powerful verses from Paul to the, to the efficient church. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. See, there is a power in relationship. There is power in living a connected life. That if we do not draw upon the streams of living water, we're going to be dying slowly. Are we just existing day after day after day without drawing upon the power of the Lord? That fullness of life, that we have access to the God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, even greater than what we can think or imagine. That is who our God is. That is who our God is. But are we just coming in day after day, night after night, week after week, just being like a tree? You can be planted in the right place, but if you're waterlocked, you're not growing. If you're not feeding on the Word of God, if you're not drawing from that stream of life, where do we stand? Where do we stand? And it's just a matter of time, little by little, it begins to show on the outside. Maybe it shows in the way that we do our business and make those decisions. Maybe it shows in the way we, we speak to our spouses, our children. Little by little, like, 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 that, first, like that second first verse where it talks about increasingly, incrementally, little by little getting involved in sin. And before you know it, you're neck deep in it. There is power in the Word of God. There is power in the presence of God. There is power in the name of Jesus. We sang it today, there is no rival, there is no equal. But are we drawing upon the streams of life, the rivers of life that flow from His throne room? Are we just skimming the surface? Are we just skimming the surface? We're not meant to have this much of God. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. We're meant to have, just as the verse is, exceedingly, abundantly, even more than what we can think or imagine. That is who our God is. I'm just going to give you a few moments to just process this. You know, just like the tree drawing water from the Word of God. Just take a few moments and just... If you want to close your eyes, go ahead. If you want to just wait upon God and ask God to just speak to you right now. Say, Lord, am I living that connected life with you? Do I get anxiety when I have not spent time with you? Or do I just go day after day after day existing but not living? Just take a few moments. I just feel God just beginning to show some of you areas of your life that you need to work on. Decisions that you need to make.
The sermon is not meant for you to feel guilty, but it's the word of God. It's meant for us to stop and check and make corrections. in areas that are needed. For some of us, it's, it's the decisions that we are making in business. Are we doing it the right way? Or are we doing it the easiest way? For some of us, it's our families. Has the busyness of life just taken over that we are not inculcating those habits in our children? Just to show them the importance of the Word of God. That family altar. Or even our own walk with God. Are we drawing upon him each day? Or are we living on yesterday's truth, yesterday's sustenance? Spirit of God, just fall afresh right now. Can I invite you to rise? We're going to sing a song and then just spend a bit of time in the presence of the Lord and, and just ask Him to just lead us. This song just speaks about building our life in the right way, not because of what we want of it, but because of who He is. Let's sing it together. For those who are standing up front here, they took an initiative to come up here. And when I look at these, you know, I say to myself, so very often we need to take initiatives in life. Uh, most of us carry a handphone, I'm sure. Uh, and in that handphone, we have apps like, you know, uh, whether it is a WhatsApp or whether it's a Facebook account or whether it's an email or whatever it is. Um, but we have to take initiative to turn our phone on and in order to connect. Right, and that's so true. Uh, in life, we we got to initiate, especially when it comes to connecting with God, connecting with people, connecting with things that are good for our lives. We need to take initiatives. Then so there's there's also the idea of in order to connect, we sometimes will first disconnect. The other day, uh, it's amazing how one day having dinner with Monica and we just looking across the table, father, mother, son and daughter, every single one of them, you know, it was a family day out, I guess, but every single one of them, you know, they were on their phone. He or she was on the phone. And so I said, that's family time, all right, you know. And uh, probably they're talking to someone else or maybe they're texting each other, I'm not too sure, you know. But in order to connect, sometimes we have to disconnect. And what are things that holds us back in connecting with God? Holds us back in a quiet time, holds us back 
you know, in our prayer life, holds us back in reaching out to someone across. Sometimes in order to connect, we have to disconnect. And so, Father God, we thank you this morning, this afternoon, Lord, for your word to us. Lord, that we are connected for life. And your word, Lord, your very word, it says of itself, Jesus, when you say it, my words, they are spirits and they are life. And so God, help us to connect with your word. Help us to connect with you. Lord, oh God, help us to disconnect things that distract us, things that ease up our time. Lord, help us to connect with you, dear God. Father, help us take initiatives. Lord, we thank you for your word. We want to be that tree, our lives, Lord, we want to be like the kind of a tree that's planted by the riverside. We want to have our leaves always green. Lord, oh God, we do not want to, to, to wither away. Lord, some of us may be more advanced in years than others, but yet, Lord, we want to have the sense of freshness. Lord, the sense of excitement even in our lives, even though we are older. And God, we want to still be fruitful. And so bless us as we go. Bless our entire week. And God, may we meditate upon your word. May we take this message and throughout this week, dear God, Lord, oh God, ponder upon it. And Lord, so that we can be more connected with you, connected to the things of God and connected to people and family. We give you all the praise, the glory and honor. And in Jesus' most wonderful name, we ask and pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ.